undeserving yet so greatly loved. First, I'd like to say thank you to Brother Shannon for the opportunity tonight. And I'm thankful to be able to share with you tonight what the Lord has laid on my heart. And also, I just want to say real quickly how thankful that myself and Sister Candace are serving as youth pastor for this great church. God gave me a burden some time ago, and uh, me and Candace have talked about it pretty much from the day we got married. We just talked about how we wanted to be involved in youth. I mean, I got married at 19, so I was pretty much fresh out of the youth group anyways. <laughs> so uh, I, it might have been just the kids still in me, but that burden stayed with me, and I've uh, just enjoyed the time that we've had so far and looking forward to what God's got in store in the future. Uh, Sister Candace couldn't be here tonight. Uh, Chloe started uh, getting a little... I guess sickly today. She's uh, not been feeling too well, been real whiny and just uh, having a, a bad issue with her stomach. So when we pray tonight, if you would, please keep her in your prayers. I'd definitely appreciate it. Uh, but before we start tonight, it's a little bit different than what we normally do, I would, I would say. But if everybody would, just let's stand all over the building and let's just uh, take about a minute and just say something personal to the Lord tonight. Just uh, raise your hands and praise him and just welcome his presence into this place. I'd greatly appreciate it. you would, just uh, go ahead and remain standing for me tonight and turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter number 3, and we're going to be reading verse 11. <clears throat> Amen. All right, the Bible says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. How many people believe tonight that God is still baptizing in the Holy Ghost and in fire? How many people know that if you come here tonight seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that tonight you can be filled? I don't know about you, but I came tonight with an expectation that those that are seeking tonight, they are going to find it. If the Lord would help me to preach tonight, I'd like to preach for just a little bit on don't let the fire go out. And uh, if you'll pray with me tonight. Father, we love you today, God. We thank you for all that you've done for us, God. We ask that you just come down. Lord, anoint me tonight, oh God, to speak what you've had me to speak. Lord, let me just touch the ears and feet of those that are sitting right here right now, God. Let me just touch their hearts, God. Let them hear with all their heart, God. Let me just be used as your tool, God. We love you and praise you for all that you've done for us and all that you're going to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just let me start by reading that verse again. The Bible says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus will not only baptize you with the Holy Ghost, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It may have only three letters, but the word and is a massive word in this scripture. According to Strong's Dictionary of the Words in the Greek Testament and the Hebrew Bible, 
The Greek word translated as and has a copulative and sometimes a cumulative force. Copulative means joining together, and cumulative means increasing in quantity, degree, or force by successive additions. The scriptures are copulative in describing the baptism. They indicate that the Holy Ghost and fire must be joined together. This baptism cannot be fully expressed without fire. It must be added and incorporated. This scripture is also cumulative in depicting this baptism. It indicates that this fire increases, amplifies, and multiplies what Jesus initiates in a person's life in the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Not a flame, but a fire. A flame is only the visible part of fire. Wherever a flame is seen, there is something at a deeper and invisible level. It is the consequence of an unseen fire. All throughout the Bible, fire is used as a symbol or a reference to the presence of God. In Exodus, he appears as a burning bush to get the attention of Moses to let him know that he was going to lead the children out of, uh, children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Moses asked God, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt? And God, speaking from the midst of that bush, told Moses that certainly I will be with thee. Moses, you are going to be the tool, you are going to be the mouthpiece that I use to bring my people out of bondage. But you are not going alone, I'm going with you. I can put myself into the shoes of Moses as he thinks about what's been said and he asks again. When I go to the children of Israel and I say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What do I tell them? God answered him back and said that you just tell my people that I am that I am sent you. Then in chapter 14 in the book of Exodus and in, and in the ninth chapter of the book of Numbers, he was the Shekinah glory, a cloud by day and a fire by night. You all know the story how God led his people from Succoth in their escape from Egypt. He went before them by day as a pillar of clouds and by night as a pillar of fire. The clouds would be their guide throughout the day and at night that pillar of fire would allow them to see as they continued on their journey. Not only was that fire visible though to the Israelites, their enemies, the Egyptians that were pursuing the Israelites, it says in verse 24 and 25 of chapter 14 that the Lord looked unto the Egyptians through that pillar of fire and it troubled them. It scared the Egyptians so much that they said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. They knew that they did not go alone. The presence of the Lord was on their side. Just his presence was enough to convince their enemies that he was not someone to be resisted. We also find where fire is used as a symbol of God's judgment. In Numbers chapter 11, the Bible says in verse 1, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Then in verse 3 it says, And he called the name of that place Teberah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. Then we find in 2 Kings chapter 1, where Ahaziah, the king of Israel, had fallen sick. So he calls his messengers, and he tells them to go inquire of Beelzebub, who was the so-called god of prophecy in Ekron, if he would recover from his sickness. But the Lord spoke to a man by the name of Elijah and told him to meet those messengers along their journey and ask them, is it not because there is not a God in Israel that he go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but thou shalt surely die. The messengers headed back to Ahaziah, who was no doubt surprised that they had gotten back so quickly. When they told him what the man of God had said, he asked, what manner, was this, a manner of man was this that turned you around? And they told him his name was Elijah. So the king sent a captain of 50 with his 50 back, and they found Elijah on a hilltop. And they said, Man of God, the king 
says to come down. Elijah said to the captain, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down and consume thee and thy 50. And God sent that fire down and consumed them right there. I can just imagine the king sitting back waiting for that 50 to return, and he starts to become impatient. So he calls another captain with his 50. The same thing happened again. So Ahaziah calls another captain in his 50, but this time something was different. This captain had realized that the God of Elijah, the same God that you and I serve, was the true God. He realized that God was not to be tested, and he recognized that the God of Elijah was the true God. The captain fell down before Elijah and said, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burned up the two captains of the former 50s with their 50s. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down to him and be not afraid. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Baals above the God of Ekron, is it not because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And in verse 17 it says that the king died as was spoken by Elijah. Just stay with me tonight, we're headed somewhere. For obvious reasons, fire was important for Old Testament sacrifices. The fire on the altar of burnt offering was a divine gift, having been lit originally by God himself. Leviticus 9 and 24 says, And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. God charged the priest with keeping his fire lit. In Leviticus 6 and 13, he says, The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. And he also made it clear that fire from any other source was unacceptable. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. They were trying to offer something to God that they had made up themselves. They were trying to make their own sacrifice as God had not commanded. And then in 1 Kings chapter 18, we have the fire that represents the power of God. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible right here. After three years of drought, the Lord tells Elijah it's time to confront Ahab and, rain, and God was going to send rain. Ahab had become pretty desperate trying to find some water, so he called by, on a man by the name of Obadiah, who was the governor of his house. Obadiah is a man that the Bible says feared the Lord greatly. He had hid 100 prophets in a cave when Jezebel was hunting down and killing all the prophets. Ahab sends Obadiah to look for a place with some living grass for their horses and mules, and while Obadiah is searching, he runs into Elijah. Elijah tells Obadiah to go tell Ahab he's there. But Obadiah started to worry. And he basically says, are you kidding me? He's been looking all over for you. And as soon as I tell him where you are, the Lord's Spirit is going to carry you away somewhere and I'll be killed. But Elijah promises to stay. So Obadiah tells Ahab and Ahab comes running. When Ahab finally gets to Elijah, he asks him, so are you the one who has been giving us all of this trouble? Elijah answered him and said, you were the one who brought trouble on yourself when you forsook God's commandments and worshiped Baal. So here's what we're going to do. Gather all of Israel to Mount Carmel and make sure those 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 that eat at Jezebel's table come too. Everyone gathers on Mount Carmel and Elijah asks the people, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. So then Elijah said, Look, there's 450 of y'all and there's only one of me for the Lord, so let's just put on a little contest, so to speak. We'll see who's serving the real God. 
you guys take your bull and put it on a a pile of wood, and I'll do the same. We both pray to our gods, and whichever god sends fire to burn the bull is the real deal. This sounds good to the people. So they they, they agree, and they begin to build their altar. The priests of Baal call to their god from morning until noon, and nothing happens. Elijah begins to stand back and mock him, and I can hear him smiling and saying, Louder, boys. He's probably just meditating, or maybe he's out of the office, or maybe he's asleep, and you guys just got to wake him up. So the priests start to go crazy. They scream louder. They start cutting themselves, as was customary. They get bloody, and they're hurt all over, and nothing happens. Their God had not heard or answered their prayer because their God was dead. Finally, the priests give up, and Elijah gathers the people around him. He takes 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel, and fixes up the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. He puts wood on top of it, cuts up the bull, and lays it on top of the wood, and digs a trench around the altar. Then he tells the people to dump four barrels of water all over the altar, not once, not twice, but three times. I can just see him now thinking, this man's crazy. (laughs) There there, there ain't no way this is going to work. The meat and wood are soaked, and the trench is filled with water when they're through. It came time to pray, and Elijah prayed that famous 63-word prayer. Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all of these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And the fire of God fell down from heaven, and it ate up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and all the water in the trench. The people fell to the ground, and they said, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. What Baal could not do in hours, God had delivered in just moments. When the true fire of God falls, it removes all doubt of who he is. I remember as a young boy, I grew up in church, and I can just think back. I was just sitting there, and uh, every now and then we'd get struck out into a testimony time. They'd, they'd say, somebody want to testify, and it'd go from one to the other to the other. And I can just remember some of them old saints, they'd stand up, and the first thing they'd say, no matter who the preacher was, they would say, brother, I'm so thankful tonight that the Lord saved me, he sanctified me, and he filled me with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So my question to you tonight is, do you have the fire? It seems as though the church has tried to replace the Holy Ghost and fire with programs and functions that will not do the trick. Less and less people are operating under the power of the Holy Ghost and are instead relying on man-made talents and knowledge. Is that because the Holy Ghost is no longer filling his people? Oh, no. I believe there are several factors that have resulted in the necessity of the Holy Ghost being undermined in today's church. Listen, the Holy Ghost is not just a blessing that you receive. It is absolutely necessary for you able to be functioned under the anointing. Without the Holy Ghost, you cannot know God for who he is. The Holy Ghost is the beginning and end of all ministry. And if you are to be effective in any capacity, it is not going to be of yourself. It is not going to be of yourself. You need the Holy Ghost. When he saves you, he gives you a new direction and makes you new again. When he sanctified that life, he cleaned out that vessel and you were available to be used at his expense. But when he fills you with that Holy Ghost and fire, then you will be used by God to pour out what's been put in you into others. You need that fire to fall down and consume you until there is nothing left but him. Church, we must be completely consumed by the fire so that we can be effective in ministry, in outreach, in prayer, in singing, and in worshiping. The Holy Ghost is not just an option. It is a requirement. The Bible does not say be filled with the Spirit if you so choose. If that's the route you'd like to take, be filled with the Spirit. But the Bible says be 
ye filled. That's a commandment if you ask me. <coughs> Hallelujah. How else are you going to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel others to come? There's an open door that's been put out in front of our entire church. God's placed us in a prime position to be able to put our fingerprint on this entire world. The question is not now if we go, but when we go and where are we going? The question is not do I need the Holy Ghost to go out into the mission field? The question for you is why would you not want to have him? The Pentecostal Commission cannot be carried out. Or the Pentecostal Commission can only be carried out by a Pentecostal church and Pentecostal power. Listen to me tonight. The Holy Ghost is not the end of the line or the pinnacle of your relationship with God. The Holy Ghost is the beginning of your true discipleship and the means by which you can reach the world. The Holy Ghost is our link with Christ. When we receive the Holy Ghost, we are at once joined to Christ. Therefore, we are joined at once with God's purpose concerning Christ. We are not only the purpose of Christ, but we have also become the means through which that purpose is accomplished. His function and desire is to live the life of Jesus through me now, exactly as if Jesus were living here himself. Our God is a consuming fire, and if the Holy Ghost takes possession of these bodies, he will consume all there is of us. God wants, you to, God wants to fill you with his spirit as much as you want to be filled. You just have to yield to him and give him that complete control over your life. We know why we are here. We know what we are to do. God has spoken to us to go, and we must go. But how can we pour out of our vessel if it's empty into others when we're not filled ourselves? How can we set a world on fire for God if our fire is dim and all but gone out? How can you pray someone through to the Holy Ghost and deliverance without that Holy Ghost fire living inside of you? We must be filled we must keep that fire burning. When the Holy Ghost fire is on your life, everything you touch is going to begin to burn as well. There will be no doubt that the fire has been there and there will be a difference. When a church is on fire, it's more than just dancing around the altar and speaking in tongues. I love that worship time myself, but a church that is on fire will be completely operating under the power and the gifts of the Spirit will be evident. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just settle anymore for a feel good and a shout. I want more than just an experience around the altars where we all have a good time and then go down to the Cedar River and have us a good lunch and take us a nap and do it all over again Sunday night. I want the Holy Ghost fire that redirects the paths of entire nations. I want that anointing that comes from God that we can lay hands on the sick and that they can recover. I want to be on, so on fire that when I leave out of this church tonight, there's burn marks from my truck all the way down to I-10, all the way down to exit 357, and when I park at 927 Rebels Road, I want to carry that fire in with me. When I open in that door and I lay in that bed, I want that fire just boiling up out of me. Hallelujah. My prayer tonight is that this whole church gets so on fire that people come off the highway and the smoke's coming off the top of the roof. I want the Baker County Fire Department to get so used to getting calls from strangers saying, there's a church down there on 121, and they say, it's on fire. And they say, no, man, it's all right. It's just Wednesday night service. <clears throat> but I'm not satisfied there either. I want this fire to jump across the street and hit the assembly of God over there. And for this thing to spread all over McClinney. And when McClinney is burned up, I want it to go west out to Lake City. And I want it to go east into Jacksonville until all of northeast Florida is on fire. It can start here tonight. Young people particularly, let me tell you something. It can start with you right now. I remember just about a year ago... <clears throat> We were living in Baldwin, and the wildfire started up just north of us, and I know a lot of you were affected by it. 
And I remember watching closely to the wind and seeing which way it was going to be blowing because that wind shifted, it would send that fire wherever the wind, blow, wherever the wind was blowing. And I remember them saying, I was watching the news, and they said if this thing crosses Otis Road, there's no telling where it's going to go. And I don't know if y'all know, but we used to live right up there on 121, so I was starting to get nervous. <clears throat> I pray to God tonight that the fire starts right here in this pulpit and that the wind would carry that thing right into these altars in this altar service. And then it's so much that it just consumes this whole church. And from there, I pray that the wind takes it out into the rest of McClenny. And when we go to the Caribbean, that it blows on that plane with us and catches us. And those passengers on fire while we're headed to the mission field. Just say, hey, Brother Roger, that can't happen. I don't know what God you serve, but let me tell you about my God. My God is the God that answers by fire. I serve the same God that poured out his spirit in the upper room. And they were all filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The power that lived inside of them. That same chapter, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost that fell there, is I feel him right now. He's all over this pulpit. If you want to feel him, you come on up here too. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Stand with me all over the building tonight. <clears throat> oh, Hallelujah. To start with tonight, I want you, if you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, I just want you to come and stand right in front of these altars. If you need to be filled, if you have not yet been filled with the Holy Ghost, and you say, Brother Roger, I need that Holy Ghost fire. You recognize that you need that Holy Ghost. Young people, old people, middle-aged people, babies. If you understand what I'm saying, I want you to come up here right now. Let's, let's kill it out. Let's come on up here. Hallelujah. We've got a couple coming. If you need the Holy Ghost, come on out here. Stand in front of these altars. Listen to me tonight. Hallelujah. You need this Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. If you say tonight, Brother Roger, I have been filled with the Holy Ghost, but it's been a little while. I haven't felt that fire working through me like I had in the past, and I need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to come stand in behind these, and I want you to just lay hands on them again, praying for them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to all get so full of the Holy Ghost, it's just going to be shaking all over every one of us tonight. And the rest of you that do have the Holy Ghost, I want y'all to just come in behind them, and we're just going to lay hands on them. 